This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 255 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Wednesday, January 20th, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, January 25th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna, and Elijah is ill this week, so Mark is here to host the show with me. Hi! <laughs> and as always, in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everybody. So, Mark, tell us what's coming up in this episode. Well, Kenna, it's a big week. We've got an interview with Star Trek Online producers Steve Ricosa and Maria Rosso. And later, our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hart, brings us a very special report from the Astrometrics Lab. We are also trekking out why one Scottish MP gave a Vulcan salute in Parliament, and on screen, Cookie and Elijah are reviewing the TNG episode Lonely Among Us. Of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. We're fans of Trek just like you, so join in on the discussion by leaving us comments on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or follow us on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click the widget on our homepage. And finally, thanks again to our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us to continually improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Speaking of Patreon, this week in Priority One After Hours, we're debating Marvel versus DC. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Here's a snippet of what you can expect. I am going to say, I think Marvel is better than DC. But I think Marvel Canon did it a little bit better. And of course, it's the hilariousness is because it's this boy Ranma, who like if he gets water on anywhere on him, he turns into a girl. And uh, this this may change with the with the uh, trailer that came out today, but I feel as though the DC films are very dark. Is that part of what appeals to you about, um, say, the Dark Knight? Because Batman very famously doesn't have any superpowers except that he's rich exactly yeah are we having that problem a little bit with spider-man at the moment yeah yeah Yeah. because aren't they like jointly owned by fox and marvel or something like that um has anyone else got anything to add that we didn't talk about well i'm surprised you haven't brought up games we haven't brought up games oh my gosh now let's check out the latest news in the star trek universe I don't know. Then let's trek it out. 
some Trek-related news that's a little closer to home for Mark and me. It seems as though some of the stars of the original series are supporters of the space program in the UK. As you might be aware, space exploration is really in the minds of British people at the minute, as British astronaut Tim Peake is currently serving aboard the International Space Station. Now, the UK Parliament is currently hearing debates regarding the future of space exploration here, and in particular, members of Parliament are making their cases as to why a planned spaceport should be built in their constituencies. As part of the government's Space Growth Action Plan, published in April 2014, plans are currently being considered which would see Europe's first spaceport being built somewhere in the UK. Six sites have been shortlisted, four of which are in Scotland. The establishment of a spaceport in the UK is part of the government's plan to grow new space business, which in itself is a key part of their industrial strategy. So in the House of Commons last week, Scottish National Party MP Philippa Whitford made the case for her constituency of Central Ayrshire. As part of the debate, she read a statement of support from William Shatner, who wrote, quote, Space is one of the last known frontiers mostly untouched by mankind and his politics. In opening a debate on this subject, my hope is that you take the tenets of Star Trek's prime directive to universally and peacefully share in the exploration of it. I wish you all a wonderful debate. My best, Bill. End quote. George Takei also weighed in, tweeting, quote, I wish the SNP and the House of Commons well on their debate about their space program tomorrow. Hashtag where no Brit has gone before. End quote. Ms. Whitford concluded her statement with a Vulcan salute. It's impossible to say at this point whether her case will be successful, but it's certainly garnered her a lot of attention in the international news media, which is not something that can be said for most minor parliamentary debates. Except when they fall asleep. <laughs> Do you know, I used to love when I was growing up, because I, obviously I, I went to school in America, and one of my favorite subjects in high school was comparative government. And I used to love watching the British government. <laughs> Especially the because they, <laughs> yeah, by comparison to Congress at the time, like Congress was very, you know, sort of civilized, and then they would show us clips in class of uh, Prime Minister's questions, uh-huh. <laughs> which I just thought was brilliant. Especially when they all start like booing each other, yeah. <laughs> boo, they get really boo. rowdy. And the toilet paper, it's toilet like, paper. Um, yeah, <laughs> the last the last round of nominations, the SNP had a more. Well, a bigger majority than what they're used to, or a bigger amount of people, and they get told off for clapping. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Something like that. You're not allowed to clap, but you are allowed to heckle and boo. Oh this yeah. This is meant and to be civilized. Names I know. from the back benches. It's brilliant. You, sir, right, honourable gentlemen, are a ball. So, for those of our listeners in the US, uh, if you get a chance to watch them on C-SPAN or CNN or wherever they happen to be uh, broadcast, do tune in to Prime Minister's Questions because it's really good fun. And finally, following on from last week's music pack to check it out, I thought I'd mention that there's also a limited edition three CD set of music coming out this week, which is volume two of a collection of music from Star Trek The Next Generation. It features previously unreleased selections from The Last Outpost, which Cookie and Elijah recently reviewed, Pen Pals, the one where Data forms an unlikely friendship with an alien child, and the game, among many others. Thanks to our science advisor, Dr. Hart, for sending that in to us via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And of course, if we've left out any pertinent Trek tidbits, then you can email us as well. The email again is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. 
Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. So this week we're keeping STO news quick because we know you're desperate to hear what Salami Inferno and Zeroni Strix have to say. We do have a few headlines you need to know about though, so Kenna, why don't you start us off? Well, as many of us were expecting, the anniversary event special currency Cumendations is being retired ahead of this year's anniversary event. As per usual, you can exchange any old Cumendations from last year for a dazzling array of spec points, tech upgrades, elite Q R&D packs, or starship emote packs. Following the pattern of previous several special events, if you already have a reputation project slotted from last year, you'll still be able to complete it. But sadly, if you missed last year's anniversary ship entirely, you're out of luck. The buyback store is accessible through the event reputation store. And of course, we've also had the announcement that this year's anniversary event is scheduled to begin on Thursday, January 28th. This year's ship will be the Tier 6 Krenum Science Vessel, which will be good news for all you science lovers out there. But beyond that, details are slim. We'll update you in next week's episode 256, when we're sure to have more details. And that brings us to this week's community question. Do you or your fleet have anything special planned to mark this year's anniversary event? It's a big one for both Star Trek Online and Star Trek as a whole, so tell us how you'll be celebrating. And continuing on with more events, the wiki editing competition is currently in full swing. So anyone who submits edits to the Star Trek Online wiki while logged in during the contest period, which has been January 15th, which has passed, up until February 15th, 2016, will have considered to have entered. Now, the wiki team will consider each user's personal contributions to determine five winners. And they give a couple of general rules. All edits must be made while logged in. Edits will only count if they make some kind of real contribution to the wiki. So, no, just fixing spelling mistakes or adding your name at the end or first in the comments. All winners will be contacted via the email associated with their Gamepedia account and winners will be selected at approximately February 15th this year. First place prize is a Delta Operations Pack and the exclusive Wiki Editing Contest winner achievement on Gamepedia. Second place is the Delta Rising Operations Pack only. Third, fourth and fifth place will receive a Tier 6 Hestia class Advanced Escort. Ooh. I know. That's actually a pretty decent prize for just editing a bit of the wiki. Yeah. Oh, no, I think this is actually a really interesting um, competition that they're doing. Well, it's not a competition, isn't it? Yeah, competition. You need to do a little bit of work and that's your entry, though. Yeah, no, but it's a it's a random. It's not like the best contribution, is it? It's yeah. a it's a, it's a random draw. D- yeah, an entry into a draw, which I think is really cool because um, there is some outdated um, information in there. There's some incomplete information in there. If you've ever gone into the wiki and clicked on something and gone, oh, right, okay, that does that's old or whatever. Um, yeah, that can be frustrating. So, I think it'll be good. We'll see. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PW and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Thomas Maroney at ThomasTheCat tweeted, Also, I'm home now after a marathon at work this weekend. I'm really proud of my latest project and I hope you guys like it. Soon. That's, that's soon in caps. So, sounds like we'll be getting some new, maybe some new ship artwork soon? Hmm? Hopefully. Hmm? Hmm? Hopefully. Hmm? Somebody else. Anyway. Al Rivera at Captain Gecko tweeted, The talented Michelle Specht 
lent her VO talent to AppTrek Online game today, further proving her Trek cred. You did an amazing job. So basically, we all lost our predictions from two weeks ago. That was the first. We didn't see the first. We said at some point. Okay, that that's so, true. Okay, so we, we're, well, still, we're still. Well, in. we said what we would like to see in the game. Yeah, it? but I believe that was the booby prize. Was if yeah. any of us get the one we want, then we right. win. Yeah. Did some... we decide what the prize was? Not yet. <laughs> we just call soon. it a quid, and then we're done with it. <laughs> we'll decide soon. Hey, you know I'm over a lot of winners, and if I win, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could regret it. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. The Last Chance Lockbox event returns from Thursday the 21st of January until Wednesday the 27th, so that isn't long by the time this episode comes out. Players will once again be able to find previously retired lockboxes dropping while playing content in STO. That includes all previous lockboxes, so if you're new to the game or just missed out on a chance to get that exclusive ship, now's the time. As always, these events are subject to change without notice, so be sure to keep an eye on the in-game calendar or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates. And now it's time to hear from Steve Ricosa and Maria Rosso, aka Salami Inferno and Zeronius Rex. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko, authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Well, Captains, Winters and I are really pleased today to welcome Steve Ricosa, a.k.a. Salami Inferno, and Maria Rosso, a.k.a. Zeronius Rex. Thank you guys for coming along. No problem. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, it's great. Great. So uh, for those of our listeners who maybe aren't that familiar with what you guys do, could you uh, just quickly introduce yourselves and give us a little idea of what you both do for Cryptic Studios? Yeah, uh, so I'm Maria, a.k.a. Zero. And I'm a producer for Star Trek Online, and really what that means is I promote Synergy. Steve? Nothing else? You know, everything else? That's all you do? That's all I do. Are you sure? Sometimes I bake cookies. Okay. There's a reason I keep her around. <laughs> what, what, is, what exactly is involved in promoting Synergy? Basically, <laughs> I uh, handle the scheduling for the various tasks, and I make sure people are doing what they said they'll be doing when they said they'd be doing it and that it will be done on time and uh, I get to go to all the play tests and um, give feedback and my favorite part actually is sitting in on the systems team brainstorms and coming up with amazing new powers that they always hate because they're really bad ideas. They're really bad ideas but they're funny. (laughs) They're funny bad ideas. You're basically a critical path manager. Sure, you could say that. That's what I that's what I do in in actual in real life. Lots and lots of critical paths, making sure that everything stays on time and everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah, you could say I heard cats also. <laughs> that might be another way. To <laughs> and what about you, Steve? Uh, so I'm Steve, aka Salami Inferno, aka Ricosa. And um, as executive producer, I, I do a lot of different things. Um, Maria handles the uh, the day schedule. Uh, I handle like the yearly schedule, like our releases, our season releases, our um, events, our event cadence. So anytime there's, you know, a big 
Chris Lanetti event or a Mark's weekend um, or anything like that. That was all planned by me, uh, typically a year in advance. And while we planned it a year in advance, of course, things adjust as, as we get to certain dates where we might see need to move something or move something else in. I'm also in charge of um, the team as a whole, just for any sort of HR issues that run up through, um, through our leads. And then uh, I'm also in charge of making sure that the team, uh, of setting the team's financial goals and ensuring that we hit our financial goals. So pretty much runs the gamut from uh, game side creative to um, game side business. Good, excellent. Um, so today we wanted to talk a little bit looking backwards at 2015 and then also forwards at what we can expect coming from 2016. So uh, Winters, why don't you take the first question? Sure. So I want to talk first about players. I'd love to hear from you about the big trends for 2015 in terms of how we as the community play the game, what content we are playing, are we playing more or less, are we seeing more new players, and how you expect these trends to continue into 2016. So um, STO as a game has been uh, incredibly stable since free-to-play launch. Uh, We kind of hit a level for player activity and revenue that has peaks and valleys just like anything else but for the most part uh remains unchanged year on year so it was a game that uh that had been growing for some time and then and then has remained stable for for quite some time yeah but uh, play duration has stayed about the same login rate has stayed about the same which is which is fantastic because it makes everything uh very easy to predict from uh, what we can expect uh for people for participation in uh you know appointment events uh, or uh, for revenue. And do you expect that to carry on into next year? Uh, we certainly hope so. We have a lot of uh, fun things planned for, for next year that, that could definitely see uh, some significant movement from from uh, you guys as the player base. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that all remains to be seen. We have our predictions, but we'll have, to, we'll have to see how it actually pans out. Yeah, I always hope it'll be more. More is good. You know? Yeah. Bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find it interesting that, that the overall behavior of the players on average hasn't really changed because when I was sort of looking at these questions I was completely expecting you to say oh such and such has changed or we've seen uh, player time in game go up or go down or more new players or something so it's interesting to me that it's actually remained quite stable. It's it's eerily consistent. Um, we've looked at some of our other products and, and some of our competitors products and Star Trek Online is kind of a a different beast thanks to a really dedicated community. Sometimes year on year, the exact same day, um, the logins are within 100 people, which is kind of obscene. It's, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, it's unlike anything else we've seen from a numbers perspective. Oh. Okay, so uh, next up, let's kind of focus on the game itself. Um, and looking back on last year, what would you say were the biggest accomplishments or uh, on the flip side, maybe the biggest challenges that you faced from the last year? I can answer both questions with one word, midnight. So that was our <laughs> featured episode that wrapped yeah. up the entire five-year Iconian arc. And I would say it was a challenge in that, holy cow, there were a lot of moving parts. We had two different designers working on that episode. and. Two or three different artists, I think, in total. Well, to set the to set the stage, typically we have one designer and yes. one artist dedicated to an right. episode like this. But because we knew it was so big, two designers, two artists, plus oh. all the support teams. Right. Wow. So a lot of moving parts, and we knew also 
you can't cheap out on this. This is what we've all been waiting for for so long. And, yeah. and, and, and we don't mean that just for the audience, like the players. This is for us too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you ever talk to Samuel, our, our lead artist, he, he was passionate about making sure that we, we wrap this up in a way that, that did the storyline justice. Um, and I think we did. So I, that's why I would say it's one of our biggest successes. I actually, I think the map for Midnight, uh, spoilers, Ancient Iconia, is probably, is, it's my favorite map that we've ever done. I, I really think it's just the most beautiful and, I mean, aesthetically appealing to me. And the story is phenomenal. And, I don't know, I love it. And what was the um, what was the environment like, you know, working on something like that? Because obviously you guys would have had, felt a lot of pressure to end the Iconian War in a way that felt satisfactory to all the players. And of course, to you guys, what did it feel like putting it all together? Well, I mean, going all the way back and deciding that we were going to finally end the Iconian War. I mean, it was probably October. It was like right, right when we shipped Delta Rising, we decided, okay, no more messing around. The very next, the very next thing we do is story progression. We're going to finish off the Delta Rising story with the uh, Harry Kim episode for the anniversary. Then we're going to dive right in and get the Iconian War finished. And we made the kind of bold decision to do pretty much an episode every month uh, from March through October and with the with the finale airing in uh, in September. So that was that was a huge task in and of itself. But yeah, for Midnight specifically, you know, so many of us have been here since pre-launch. And so we knew about the Iconian uh, conflict and we knew when we originally wanted to end it and, and how it was so important to us to make sure that we just really nailed it. And uh, we were really bowled over by the community reaction to it. We, we thought it was good, but we worked on it for so long. We could see the little flaws and little things we wanted to make better, but we thought we pulled together a really great episode and, and the community response was just fantastic. Everyone just really, really loved it. Like hearing, hearing people say it, it felt like a, an episode from the show um, is really, is really mm-hmm. the best compliment. And I actually think um, it, it was a lot of pressure on, I would say, all of the leads in production, but we tried to not make the, you know, we tried to keep that kind of pressure away from the designer. So it wasn't like everything we've been building for depends upon you, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we don't want to make them freak out because nobody works their best in that kind of situation. Much, well, you much, people much. work their best in that situation. Yeah. So they had the normal stress of like, hey, you have to get this done on time, but they didn't have the weight of the world on their backs. That was all of the uh, production and the leads that had that. <laughs> and I have a quick question. You mentioned about the ambitious goal of releasing a, a new featured episode pretty much every month for, it must have been six months at least. Um, it's, uh, yeah, seven or eight months. Yeah, and are, do you think that's something that you're going to continue going forward, that sort of rigorous schedule, or, or do, you, do you envision you spacing it out a little bit more? Um, I could imagine some more spacing out. We like to experiment from time to time with, uh, with our release cadence. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. that might not be a pattern you see continuing um, through, the, through the early part of this year, but uh, we'll, we'll evaluate uh, player behavior as we move forward. Does that kind of the, the cadence of when you do releases like that? Does that does that affect how the players behave? Typically, uh, yeah. we hope, right? We hope uh, certain events will draw more players in because um, they want to participate in those events when they're live. So you know, different events have different have different goals uh, from the numbers. And I, I know people don't like to hear that, but we try and use events to drive different uh, different sorts of player behavior and, and different player interactions with the game. 
Yeah. And so episodes provide, uh, you know, a very specific type of numeric we're trying to move. Yeah. Um, and so there are plenty of different ways to move those different numbers. Yeah, because we want to give people a balanced, you know, a way to earn all the different things that they want. But it doesn't necessarily make sense to, to make all those same things attainable through one type of gameplay. Mm. So if we don't do this, we'll, it, it'll be something else, you know? Like, we don't want there to be a, a feast or famine type thing. Right, right. But we felt like it was a good way to go with the Iconian War. It was so iconic and really having that uh, that show feel where you're getting an episode regularly and then having a big season finale. Yeah. Um, we felt like was a good send off for that uh, for that story arc. Yeah, I agree. Probably the next big thing coming up in game is the anniversary event. So can you tell us what to expect for that? Super awesome stuff. <laughs> Hugh, good answer. Hugh is going to be part of it. Yep. Hugh will be there. Yep. Excellent. Um, you know the uh, the Omega mini game will be back, Yay. and everyone's uh, everyone's favorite upgrade. Uh, oh yes! Upgrades out of there for, yep. for collecting your Omega particles. Yeah. Um, there there will be more details coming, but uh, traditionally there has been a featured episode that's super awesome, yep. and it will continue the it will continue the story arc that we've kind of set into motion with uh, New Dawn. But yeah, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff going on. Okay, so we've had a blog just today about uh, the new featured episodes, sort of more or less what to expect, and we've had a little teaser about the new anniversary ship. So, is there going to be anything else that we'll find out about in the next few weeks? Uh, in general, or for the anniversary? For the anniversary event. Uh, there'll be you know, there's going to be a, just a pile of blogs next week uh, that'll go over in detail everything that's going on. Um, there are definitely a few more things in there that, that'll be announced. Okay. And um, just a slight uh, slight tangent, but uh, so we've got the sixth anniversary of Star Trek Online, and is that going to dovetail at all with the 50th anniversary of Star Trek? Uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely well aware that it's the 50th anniversary this year. And of the best Star Trek series there was ever. After the Space Nine. <laughs> uh, no. Um, you go, Steve. <laughs> there we go. But... We definitely have some big plans for 2016. And I think that's the extent that you'll get out of me for the year. Well, I will go on to say all will be revealed in the fullness of in the fullness of time. Is that like a scripted thing? Because that's what we've had from a few devs when we've asked <laughs> very that's similar my questions. Thing. If other people are stealing it, that's what they're doing. Oh well, that's maybe my line. <laughs> I actually it from usually you. say sources hazy check back later. I try to give magic eight ball answers. Uh-huh. You're going to need to see some desist. You're going to have to get those sent out. Yeah. C and D. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of keeping along the same thing, I know you're probably going to be quite um, sparse on details, but um, looking forward to, you know, beyond the anniversary event into 2016, can you give us an idea of uh, your strategy for the new year? So big stories of what you're focusing on, like story content, game performance, PVP, power balance, that sort of things. Really, you know, the top level stories that you guys are working on as a strategy for the game. Yeah, so we're doing uh, a lot of story content. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of and and some new systems, and we're definitely doing um, some performance um, updates. We're in fact working on some now, but that's about as detailed as as I kind of want to get. Yeah, I'd say source is hazy. Check back later. Yeah, okay. we've got <laughs> we've got some we've got some pretty ambitious goals for the year. Okay. Um, some content heavy, some systems heavy, but yeah, very cool. Some very cool stuff. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we're that. all 
everybody who knows what we're going to be doing is super excited. Which is everybody in this building, but we can't tell you guys. And when are you going to start dropping hints? When it's when it's super close. Okay. As we get really close to the releases of those things. I mean, typically, uh, typically we try and get a build for a new release onto Tribble um, six to eight weeks ahead of time. So mm-hmm. we typically start talking about it six to eight weeks ahead of uh, release. Okay. Right. And, and I mean, it, it can come off to people that we're trying to be really cagey with, with what to expect. But one of the reasons we don't like to talk about it is that, you know, we schedule pretty far out, but something could go wrong, right? Mm. Like if we have somebody who moves to another team, like one of our guys is like, oh, I really want to be a never winner which never happens because Star Trek is so good. We'd have to like scope back on what we're doing. So we don't want to say, hey, X is coming out when it turns out like, oh, well, it turns out that somebody's got a kid on the way and they're going to be out for six weeks and then they can't work on X. So now X is not going to come out. Right. So we just want to not tease people essentially with things that it turns out don't come to fruition. Yeah, we don't want to be disingenuous unintentionally. Yeah. yeah. I can completely un- agree with that. I can speak entirely just for myself, but we love a bit of rampant speculation. So um, any hints are always gratefully appreciated so that we can totally take them and run with them and see how wrong or right we are. <laughs> we, I have to say, the entire team, man, did we love reading the speculation for the players about what was going to happen in the episode Midnight. Yeah. Oh, How yeah. were we ra- Oh, man, it was great. I mean, spoiler alert again. I think one person yeah. early on commented that, oh, I think I think we are the others. And everyone's like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, he got it. And no one said, no, everybody, everybody thought it was wrong. They totally yeah. derided him. Yeah. And, oh, boy, that was great. And it's funny because, you know, we saw a lot of things, people thinking that we were going to, um, you know, pretend the war never happened. We were going to use a time machine and just reset everything and i feel like the ending was just people have said so trek um and and unexpected i think i think it was great what kind of timeline are we looking at for the this the current story arc so we've heard from al uh captain gecko uh, before that the current storyline is going to sort of take us through most of the way of 2016 when are we going to kind of find the end of where we currently are going at the moment probably um late summer early fall something like that for the uh for this current storyline to kind of wrap itself up that's gonna fuel my rampant speculation i'm gonna plot out now (laughs) (laughs) whenever you've given me enough information right i'm gonna figure it all out just start (laughs) collecting data points over the next hour and then put them all together Okay, so also keeping with this theme of what's coming up in 2016, um, burning question for those of us at Priority One and actually quite a few people on on the forums and uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. How is Star Trek Beyond and and or the new Star Trek TV series going to affect the production of Star Trek Online over the next year? Uh, And particularly... Are we going to see any kind of synergy between what is eventually going to come out and what we're seeing in the game? Maybe. <laughs> now, is That's that a maybe awesome. because you don't know, or is that a maybe that you can't really speak to those plans at the moment? Why not both? It's, it's yeah. It's, it's may, maybe is me being coy. Oh, right. I mean, I, 
I think the, the, the crux of it is, uh, with you guys as the game development, are you going to be privy to any inside information about what's being developed so that you could potentially work it in? For the movie, maybe. Me being coy, maybe. Uh, for <laughs> okay. the TV show, we, we have been um, talking with um, CBS yeah. uh, and working to um, figure out uh, a, a potential role we could have. But nothing, nothing concrete there yet. But there, there have been some talks. Okay, because I think that's a really key thing. People uh, seem to be very keen to understand: Is Star Trek Online going to feel part of the um, broader canon, and or is it going to feel like it's a standalone, you know, divergent storyline or something like that? Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, it shall be interesting to see. Yes, it will. Yeah. A lot, go- a lot going on with that, for sure. So we're gonna have to have you guys on in another few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for no, for some updated information, for more follow-ups, <laughs> yeah. to try and drag some more information out of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he said this last time. Yeah. But now. Yeah. Uh, clearly, it was Butler. Yeah. Right. So uh, that is it for the for our questions, and now we have a section of the interview where we would like to ask you a couple of uh, well, several of quickfire community questions that we've had sent in through the forums and Twitter and Facebook by some of our listeners. Can't wait. So our first question comes from Matt Miracle, and he wants to know, is there any chance of bringing back the Delta Recruit for a limited time, maybe over a weekend? Yes. Is that saying yes to, is there any chance? Yes, there is a chance. Uh, (laughs) That event did uh, many, many, many good things for the players and many, many good things for the game. It was very popular internally, and it was obviously very popular with uh, with the player base. Okay. So um, I would not uh, count out the, f- the possibility of that, of that coming back around. But you don't have any firm plans yet? Oh, we've got firm plans. I'm just not telling you. Oh, right. for heaven's sake. It's kind of <laughs> like that, that, the scene in Dumb and Dumber when she says his odds are more like one in a million and he's really happy he has a chance. <laughs> right. So it could be from that small of a chance to more like, I don't know, 10 in a million. Yeah. Or 100,000. Who yeah. knows? Or, or it could be on the, on the calendar. Yeah. All sorts of things. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on to the next one. Now, these, I'm kind of bundling several questions together. Nandos, I think I'm pronouncing that right, on Twitter, and also Starbase UGC on Twitter. Um, They were asking about PvP and the Foundry. So could you just update us broadly on the PvP and Foundry system? So these are two areas that we always get questions about. What's the long-term strategy for those systems and how are they going to be handled going forward? Uh, I'll speak to the Foundry. Without going into too many details, we have uh, a little time on the schedule quite soon to try and add a new feature that I think will be much appreciated. And I and Nick, uh, Taco Fangs, will continue to add assets. Um, We've actually seen a lull in them because I have a computer crash when I'm trying to do this right now. So we're getting that worked out. It's not very (laughs) helpful, is it? (laughs) It's, It's probably just that my computer is not, doesn't have the 32 gigs of RAM that we need or something like that but so that's that is on the calendar I don't know um, even assuming that this this feature is done really soon I don't know when it will make it out to triple or holodeck just because of the um, the way our our data and, and asset tracking works and is there anything that you can tell us about the the strategy for PVP so is there any plans for 
improving it or changing it or are we sort of in a maintenance mode with it? Um, we've talked about some plans potentially later in the year to, mm -hmm. uh, to make some, some uh, improvements, but it'll all depend on, uh, on how the season uh, planning shakes out. Okay. Right. So our next question comes from Garen and he wants to know what are the long-term plans for reputations? Will they continue to be released with each season or eventually stopped completely? Well, they, they release, not really with every season, but most seasons do have a reputation. The current plan is to keep running with them or uh, mix in uh, specializations instead of a reputation with a, with a release. But in the near term, yes, reputations could still be considered part of, uh, of most uh, seasonal releases. Um, will reputations ever come to the point where it's like, okay, we have 15 reputations now, that's it, we're stopping it? It could definitely get to that point where we have so many reputations and then we just make a new system. So reputations still exist. It's a way to get gear and, and dilithium and mm -hmm. everything else. And then there's a, we might come up with another, uh, another system as well. Right. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like that's one thing that we definitely look to feedback about. And, and I mean, we, many of us play the game. A lot of people think we don't because they don't see us in there, but we don't play under our dev names because if, if anybody's seen me log in, on my dev account when I've been like live streaming or something. It's like tell, 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 tell. And so it's like, I can't, I can't play and there's no anonymity. So many of us play and we will get the feedback of like, you guys, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, so uh, personally, I'm not there yet with the reputations. I love them. They're actually one of my favorite things because I really like having goals to work towards. But um, we will listen and if people are like, you guys, come on, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think the big thing there, though, could be uh, potentially for new players. Um, you know, there's a l lot of stuff for new players to take in. And you may hit that point where it's like, oh, my God, you have 15 reputations or 20 reputations to try and go through. Could be very daunting for new players. Oh, certainly, though, they wouldn't encounter that till they've been with us for at least 50 levels. So, yeah. They have that going for them. Okay, so our next question comes from Azrael605 on the forums. If it hasn't been mentioned before, is the featured replay event ever going to return? Yes, it will return. I actually have a scheduled time for it to return, so yes. Okay, and have you guys heard this idea of making some of the old retired missions available through like a holodeck or something like that? Is that something you'd ever consider? Well, some of the retired missions in being retired were are no longer we right still like anymore. they the, the new missions were built upon the backs of the dead ones basically mm -hmm. you know like a phoenix rising from the ashes sort of um but the other ones we've heard that suggestion and and not like we are saying like have any expressed opinion on it but personally i think we made the right choice in pulling many of those because they're Definitely not of the quality we want people to see when they play Star Trek Online. They were cut for a reason, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you, while you, there's while there's some nostalgia there, as right. a first-time player coming in playing some of that some of that older stuff, um, it's showing it's showing its age. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at, uh, I think a really good example is the Defera with the the Breener there, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. And. Um, when that came out, holy cow, it was like the best map I had seen in our game. The best map. And our our standards have 
phrase significantly, right? Like that is, it's not like it's a bad map, but it's nowhere near the quality of our best maps anymore. And that was post-launch. All the stuff that we made before game launch. I mean, they were developed on a different time scale. Oh yeah. Logarithmically different. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and I think we've updated all of them, right? Yeah, I think the Cardassian arc was the last. Yeah, so on on the Fed side, we've hit everything. There's still, there's still some Klingon stuff. Yeah, Klingon War. There's just the, there's just one. There's two small series that uh, that exist on the Klingon side from post-launch. Yeah. Okay, so BenK240609 wants to know, is the skill tree revamp still planned for Season 12? The skill tree revamp is still planned. Season, I know the season. For you guys, season undetermined. But it is uh-huh. still planned, and the UI is awesome. I think it's going to be a big improvement. You got, you guys should see it soon. Trademark symbol. Should we hold off on uh, respecting all our skills until that happens? No, you can uh, respect all you want. Yeah. Every day you should respect. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that actually Spoken reminds like me of a EP, question. Right. <laughs> uh, th- this is a question that um, some fleet members uh, said to me, uh, but. Do you think Star Trek Online will ever go like other MMOs and allow free respects? Potentially. there. I mean, we give some respects um, as you're leveling mm-hmm. in the early levels. And every time we do a major revamp, we've given a free respect, right? So yeah. we've revamped the skill tree it, once or twice before. I have lost track. We gave free respects then. And, uh, you know, we, we don't plan on making you like buy a respec when we do the revamp. Um, that would be cruel and unusual. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our next question comes from Sister Rick on forums. Will you guys reconsider the gateway and actually make it a functional part of the game? Uh, gateway question always comes up. It, it would take a significant time investment on our end to, to add anything new to, to the gateway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I probably would say Outlook is bleak uh, for sure. <laughs> Our next question comes from Crypticop, and he wants to know, will gold member rewards go beyond 1,000 days? Uh, We've been adding things to the lifetime subscription. So if you're already a lifetime member, you know, things just get added and you get them automatically, like, you know, the tier six Chimera Mm -hmm. um, and a variety of other things. But uh, I probably wouldn't see, uh, I think we just passed 2,000 days. So I, I wouldn't expect to see uh, any more rewards at specific date markers. Right. Okay, and one of the last questions that we have, um, this comes from Hayden Jones on Twitter. What is the best way for players to provide feedback to Cryptic on what they'd like to see done in the game? Um, absolutely the forums. They're there for a reason. We get reports from our forum peeps, like uh, the guys at Perfect World handle all the gathering and collating and putting in triplicate and all that and we get reports on that that uh we take very seriously i know a lot of people think that it's it's easier to catch us and give their ideas through social media or outside sources but i mean sure you could you can tweet at me that you like something but like my twitter for instance it's my personal twitter and so i don't usually talk work on there and, and basically try not to do that or if i'm like chatting in reddit chat occasionally i will be quite nice and help people with their problems but i'm there 
typically speaking, it's just another random STO player. So you could give us feedback that way, but it's doing so is basically like asking us to work off the clock most of the time. And so I don't have my notebook with me that I write all my stuff in and I have really poor memories. So the chances of me remembering what you've asked for when I am back at work the next day or in the next week in the case of vacations, like it's kind of slim. But if you get, if you put your feedback on forms, it does get to us. I know a lot of people think that we don't read the feedback and that is couldn't be further from the truth. Just because we don't go with someone's idea doesn't mean we haven't heard it. Like, um, uh, for instance, I've mentioned this when we talk about our, our ship art. When we have uh, the initial stage, we have like 30 thumbnail sketches that our artist does. And there are, say, maybe 10 of us that are saying, oh, I like number 10 or no, 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 number 25. And so each of us may have a different favorite. And ultimately, only one will go forward, which means that the other nine of us are, are getting let down and maybe feeling like, hey, you didn't get my feedback, right? And so that is essentially what happens on a much larger scale to everyone who plays, right? We've we've gotten, I've gotten uh, people who say in ground combat, there are too many powers. And then I had someone else say, you know what, there's not enough powers. And obviously those are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, so it's like we can't, no matter what, if, if we made it so there were more powers or if we made it so there were fewer, we're going to upset at least 50% of the people who commented on that, right? If those are the two extremes. Yeah. So just, just because we haven't acted on something doesn't mean we haven't heard it. And, and also, it doesn't mean that we won't ever. Sometimes we just can't say anything about it because maybe we're doing it soon, TM. We've got one very last final question, which Trendy actually made us put in. Uh, and this is the wild card question. If you could be any fish, what fish would you be? Hmm. Can I say efficient? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I you think can you just say it. the mic and walk yeah. out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for that one. For sure. Without a doubt. Oh, I would god. actually be, though, I know the answer to this. I would probably be a dolphin fish, a- aka mahi mahi, because they're really pretty colors. And they're delicious to eat. Delicious. So, I mean, I guess. Whatever. Wouldn't that be a downside, though? No, I mean, I might as well go out in a blaze of glory. Oh, fair enough. What fish would I be? Goldfish. You can't even remember Sword- his answer to this. <laughs> so, swordfish. Swordfish. That's fine. Swordfish yeah. is fine. Swordfish. All right. I've got a question for you guys, then. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Here we go. I think this is the first time this has happened. Oh, yeah. when, you, when you eat brownies, right, a tray of brownies, do you like the gooey center or the, or the more crisp... Uh, and chewy exterior. The edges. The edges. Brownie edges or the brownie middle? I personally like uh, a brownie that's been cooked at slightly too high a temperature so that the innards are still a bit gooey and also it's crispy on the outside. That is that is a cop-out answer. Do you like the gooey no. part better or the chewy part better? I like the crispy part better. All right, and how about... Winters? Uh, I'm going to say crispy. See, you're both yeah. wrong, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Really well, no, unfortunate. No. They're both right, because then we get the good part. Then we get the good yeah. part. I guess I guess we're a good match then. Yeah. Yeah. Because the gooey part is the best part. So it's like a team that. effort. Yeah. Okay. 
Wait, I have a question. This is actually one of the last questions I usually ask when I'm interviewing candidates for jobs here. Oh, God. So if you get this one wrong, we automatically delete your recordings of this uh, of this podcast. Great. Okay. Pirate okay. or ninja? Pirates. Sorry, pirate or ninja? Ninja. Pirate. Ooh, pirate ninja? Is that a thing? It could be. Well, because I said ninja pretty quick, but actually, pirates are pretty cool. Kind of so smelly, though, and the whole scurvy thing is really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I'll still go with ninja. Ninja? Ninja's good. Yeah. Yeah. Ninja's good. yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. It. Is there anything else? We're, we're all out of questions. It's, it's no. been great having you guys on our show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll have to get you guys back in a few months. In a few yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. Get some more details on your favorite desserts. Maybe biscuits next. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we already quizzed <laughs> Al on uh, whether he likes candy corn or not, so we're going to have to make that a, an annual event. What, kind what did of he dessert? say? He um, likes cookie cupcakes. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was the problem with candy corn is that they're not that they're not vegetarian, so Ugh, they difficult. Should be. They're, they're... Oh, who, who did you ask? Al. 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 Well, anyway, <laughs> let's wrap it up there, shall we? <laughs> Thank you so much, Steve and Maria, for joining us today, and we will definitely be trying to get you guys back on in a few months' time, uh, so we can get some more details on all the amazing, exciting stuff that you couldn't tell us about this time. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to find out what we can't tell you about next time. I know. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> But anyway, thank you so much, and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Okay. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's thank been you. a blast. Thank you. Thanks for being on, guys. Now, let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and find out what's on screen. On screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And this week, we're reviewing Lonely Among Us, written by DC Fontana and Michael Halperin, and directed by Cliff Bowl. This episode first aired November 2nd, 1987. The Enterprise embarks on a mission of diplomacy and has agreed to assist two rival species in their effort to join the Federation. But this is just a plucky side plot. The real plot begins when the ship encounters a mysterious energy cloud in space, and during a routine scan, the crew inadvertently invites a strange entity on board. After hopping between a few people and only killing the ethnic guy, the entity takes over Captain Picard. Can the crew save Captain Picard? Will Wesley get to skip class? Does an IPA or lager go better with Sealet Filet? I don't like IPA beers. Never been a fan of that. But I also don't like fish, so I guess I'm out of that question. Well, the Sealet was a reptile. Oh, oh I see what you mean. The Sealet, yeah. Because they were part of the... Because at the very end, they, they kill the one sea land and the chef was about to cook them. Here are some fun facts. This was the first bottle episode of The Next Generation, meaning the whole episode took place on the ship. There, there was no second location. The chief delegate of the Antican species, the ones with the white hair, was played by Mark Alamo, who you might know as Gal Dukat in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This was his first Star Trek appearance, but... He went on to play several more roles before landing the role as Dukat. The sexiest Cardassian on this side of the wormhole. You have weird taste. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. According to Star Trek The Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemechek, the producers received a significant amount of negative feedback regarding the insinuated cannibalism attempt by the Antikins in this episode. So what did you think of the episode? Well, this episode was fun to watch. A bit suspenseful at times, and it had its goofy moments with those rival delegates running around the ship acting like fools. 
I was impressed how diplomatic and professional the crew was in dealing with them, but that's Starfleet, of course they were professional. They just had such good manners under the circumstances, because not a lot of people would have just been like, yes sir. I love Data's inquisitive reaction when he first finds out about Sherlock Holmes. That look in his eyes of wonder and excitement. Speaking of eyes, did you notice at like the last five minutes of the episode, his right eye, his pupil was like super dilated? No, I didn't know, notice that. Yeah, rewatch it. The last five minutes of the episode, his left eye, it's like just all black. Maybe he forgot to put the contact in the other eye. Maybe. Was it a different color? No, it was. It was. It still had the gold, but it was like the the pupil was super dilated. I don't know. It was weird. The contacts over the pupil. Okay, so anyways, I didn't know the significance of the Sherlock Holmes connection before when I first saw this episode, but now that I know how much Data loves Sherlock Holmes... Indubitably, my good woman. Seeing that look on his face meant a lot more the second time around. I think his fascination with that character is so adorable. But how was he able to smoke that pipe? Can he? Do, does he have he air in his lungs? Like, what is? What is he? How does he smoke a pipe? Yeah, he he's got. Remember, if you prick me, do I not bleed? That was a plot hole like that. No, he. We does. don't talk he, about that because no, that was he not. He breathes. He can breathe. He can bleed. If you cut data, he will secrete oil. I know that, but like, how does he get the air? He's got into fake lungs. his. Okay. I know that he can't whistle, but I, I thought he couldn't whistle because he didn't have the, like, the air coming no, out. No, he just something. couldn't whistle because he couldn't whistle. Okay. We also get to see some of Wesley's abilities that was mentioned in the Traveler episode. He seemed to know a lot more than the crew did about certain things, so that's something I'm going to be watching out for from now on. I think there was some pretty obvious signs pointing to what was wrong that the crew didn't pick up on very quickly. I mean, Data practically caught... Beverly messing with the helm control right before the console went down, and nobody put that together? If it wasn't for Deanna, I'm not sure how long it would have taken them to realize what was going on. They were too slow in intervening with Picard as well. I think everyone knew it wasn't really Picard pretty much right away, but I guess they were scared of the repercussions if they were wrong. The minute he changed the ship's course, I was expecting someone to jump up and say, Belay that order! But no one did anything for a while, it, until it was too late. I don't really understand how Picard could have really chosen to go with that invisible life form, and at the same time have very little knowledge of it when he was rescued. Was Picard actually in any form of control at all during that time? I kind of find it hard to believe. It's, I guess it's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, this, this episode had a whole bunch of plot holes. I really just don't know what it was about. Because <laughs> there was a lot going on here. First was the obvious diplomatic mission. Then it was like the movie Clue in space, except Data got to play Sherlock. <laughs> Who killed Mr. Singh? It was the life form in engineering with a plasma burst. <laughs> except no one could get a grip on what was going on. And like you said, the crew definitely should have acted on Picard much sooner. I mean, for goodness sakes, Beverly outright asks, are you Picard? Please. Are you Jean-Luc? He is here. The Jean-Luc I know. And more. The more frightens me. And elates us. We wish you could understand the glorious adventure ahead. You and... Soon we'll both be home. And he answered her. She didn't, she didn't think, hey, um, maybe I should relieve him of duty now. Nah, we're not in any danger yet. 
Honestly, that one particular plot hole among the many others is so big that I kind of hope that it was actually a mistake in editing. That the editors shuffled the written scene around accidentally because the scene makes more sense after they get back to the cotton candy cloud. Now here's my other problem with this episode. When comparing it to Hide and Q, Picard was offered the chance to explore the galaxy unhinged from corporeal restraints. It seems as though he and the Entity came to an agreement, and he was ready to throw caution to the wind. Yet, he comes down on Riker for being tempted by the Q. So, what if Picard had been granted the power of the Q? If he couldn't keep control with misty cotton candy cloud aliens, what would he have done with the power of the Q? Now remember, they explain in this episode that the Entity doesn't really control you entirely. Sure, it influences you, but... You're both in there. I think it control. I don't know. I think it controls. Because Deanna says that, oh, I feel the duality, but no more or less than what I normally feel with you humans. But Beverly was like, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't do anything. I was just watching or something. I forgot what she said, but it was like she didn't have much control at all. Well, again, it's like it's like this, this just wasn't really well written. I also don't like Data in these early episodes because I think that they're going way too far with experimenting with the range of his character. Like, it was acceptable for Data to explore the broader facets of his self on the holodeck or when inflicted with something, but I feel that putting a pipe in his hand or a Chinese finger cuffs diminishes the character and makes him the comic relief. I'm really, really glad that they change this as the show progresses. I mean, I think he was just learning, you know, he's obviously always learning things, asking, well, what does that mean? What does that expression mean? And these are just examples of that. And it also shows that even though he's an android, he's not, quote, perfect, and that humans can excel over his abilities, too. That's just kind of how I take it. And I thought he was cute as Sherlock. I see that. I see that, you know, he's he's curious. But when I find out about something, I don't go and carry like if I when I learned about Sherlock Holmes I didn't all of a sudden start carrying around a pipe and and like that's very I, I can see a five-year-old doing that <laughs> but but not an advanced technological life form like like data you know it just it ended up being plucky it ended up being a little bit too comedy for me yeah I, I love that fascination he has with that but it's good that they explore it later in things like the holodeck but yeah. Like, there's no place on that for a Federation officer <laughs> on the bridge of a Federation ship, you know? And again, I'm glad that they evolved this and gave Brent Spiner the opportunity to explore this character in 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 more isolated or, yeah, in more isolated storytelling. Yeah, like, when you first see this, you're like, what is he doing? But if right. you know the whole series and you see all the episodes where he's doing that, then it makes a lot more sense. And it's like, oh, he really does like this character. And look at how he reacted to it the first time he found out. I mean, it, it goes along with the rest of the all those episodes. Yes, yeah, you're right. It does connect it. It, it. it lays a foundation. Overall, I think that this was, in fact, a quote-unquote bottle episode in more ways than one. Not only does the action stay on the ship, but there's really nothing we learn about the characters or who they are. At least I didn't pick up on anything reading between the lines. So what's your favorite quote, Cookie? When they were in a briefing, and Data's so immersed in his Sherlock Holmes obsession that he has a pipe in his mouth, and Captain Picard asks him to take it out, Data obliges, but you can tell he doesn't want to. 
It's so funny. It's like, I've never seen Data do that before. He's like, yes, sir, if you wish, sir. Like, you can tell he really doesn't want to take the pipe out. I thought that was so cute. Data, let's proceed without the pipe. Yes, sir, if you wish, sir. But you see, that's a moment where that's not Data, right? That's not the Data that we come to learn. It's just a new form of Data we hadn't seen yet. It's still Data. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What about you? Mine is at the very end when they pull Picard out of the cotton candy cloud and Tasha Yar comes in and is like, there's blood on the carpet and they're serving reptile for dinner. Captain. Yes, Lieutenant. Sorry, Commander, but security team two reports they've discovered a puddle of blood outside the cellar quarters and they can't find one of the delegates. And Lieutenant, so, this couldn't have waited a moment. The problem is, is that one of the cooks has just been asked to broil reptile for the antiquants and it looks like the cellar delegate. Cracker, I think I do need a rest. Take charge, number one. It just, that one series of line... But And one of the reasons that I really like this is because if you add a studio audience laughing track, it's just so slapstick comedy that you just don't come to expect from Star Trek, uh, especially watching it the first time around. So that brings us to our community question. Do you think the Entity completely took control, or did Picard actually want to go with the Entity? And, as a playful community question, does Cile Filet go better with an IPA or a lager? Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation, Lonely Among Us. Now, let's get a report from Astrometrics with Dr. Robert Hurt. January of 2016 has turned out to be an incredibly exciting month for the field of astronomy, and specifically the study of our solar system. As it happens, researchers from the California Institute of Technology has found extremely solid evidence for the existence of an unknown planet in the outer reaches of our own solar system, one that to date has not been discovered directly, but which has been inferred through its influence on the orbits of other objects in the solar system. Now, we're not talking about things like planet Nibiru, which was sort of made up in a doomsday cult kind of conspiracy theory in the early 90s, something that was supposed to have destroyed the Earth multiple times as the predictions kept getting revised, and which very sadly was referenced in Star Trek Into Darkness by being the uh, planet that the uh, movie opened on. No, we're talking about an object that has a very strong influence on some of the objects in the outer solar system, a region known as the Kuiper Belt. This is the area that Pluto orbits in, and is one of a huge swarm of thousands of objects that have uh, roughly circular orbits out beyond the uh, orbit of Neptune. Now, in studying the objects in the Kuiper Belt, uh, Mike Brown and Constantine Batchin, who are the two researchers responsible for this result, were investigating the fact that a very small number of these objects have kind of strangely elliptical orbits. They, they stick out, and they don't look like the other objects in the Kuiper Belt. They, uh, they all seem to flare out in a, one particular direction in the solar system, and themselves are all aligned more or less in the same plane, organized uh, roughly about 30 degrees with respect to the rest of the solar system. So the question is, why would these things sort of altogether have a different orbital pattern than everything else and be very asymmetric? 
Well, the answer turns out to be the presence of another body, uh, something significantly larger than the Earth, about 10 times the mass of the Earth, which makes it a little bit smaller than Neptune, which would have itself a largely elliptical orbit that would sweep very far away from the Sun and then back into the Kuiper Belt uh, once every 10 to 20,000 years. The effect that it would have by just periodically passing through would actually stimulate other objects in the Kuiper Belt to fly out and adopt these orbits, the kinds that we've seen in the solar system. Now, as they were understanding how the numerical simulations were predicting that uh, this orbit would work, they also discovered that the, it, the predictions were pointing at the existence of another population of objects that have particularly weird orbits that would actually be oriented at right angles to the orbits in the solar system. And while they weren't aware of these when they went into the study, they actually started finding there were actual objects in the outer solar system that matched this very weird perpendicular orbit pattern, thereby actually adding a lot of credence to the theory by, by basically supporting it through the discovery of something that they weren't really even looking to explain when they began the theory. Well, this is really the most exciting kind of science, where you basically look at an observational anomaly, you come up with a theoretical uh, hypothesis of what might do it, and then you look at the implications of the hypothesis and see if they are supported by observation. So at this point, really, the next thing to do is to go out there and look for what Mike Brown, who uh, is famous for his role in the demotion of Pluto by the discovery of the dwarf planet Eris, uh, has uh, kind of uh, playfully named Planet Nine from outer space. Because after all, after we got our system dropped back down to an eight-planet system, discovering something this large would really qualify as the ninth planet. And while its location is not really well defined at this point, it could be anywhere along its sort of theoretically modeled orbit, and parts of that orbit are very, very far away from the sun and can be very, very difficult to uh, observe directly. Uh, with years of uh, observational work coming up, it's very possible that someone coming uh, months or years, we'll actually discover this new planet 9. Well, that's the latest update from the outer solar system. Let's open healing frequencies now with Kenna and Elijah. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, we're at that part of the show where we open healing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community questions were... Do you think Star Trek would be better if there were fewer creative minds behind the scenes, like Lucas and Williams are the two biggest names in Star Wars? And have you played any other Star Trek games besides Star Trek Online? And if so, what's your favourite? Starkicker posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com in response to our first community question, Star Trek has massively benefited from a diverse mix of creative minds. Just think about the art direction alone on, say, Voyager, DS9 and Enterprise. It gives each series its own identity and allows us to appreciate them separately. The problem with that other sci-fi franchise is it doesn't have that creative diversity. Episode 7 looks and feels almost the same as A New Hope. Some minor changes, but it's basically Stormtroopers, Lightsabers, and Death Stars. Imagine five series of that with five to six seasons per series would get boring and quick. Which I kind of agree with. I, I do like the fact that all the different series really have their own feel to them. See, that's where I'm slightly different. I really agree with it for a series, but when it comes to movies, mm. then I think there shouldn't be as many. The way the reboots have kind of gotten here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, I think it works better in the films when you have a similar theme going on. It helps hold the continuity together. 
And moving right on to our second unit question about other Star Trek games. David S. posted on our website, Prior to STO, my favourite Star Trek game was the excellent Fleet Operations mod of Star Trek Armada 2. The last news I read was that the Fleet Ops volunteers were working to build a brand new version from the ground up, continuing to say I hope Paramount and CBS will leave them alone. Small Yoda also added to the conversation that before he started playing STO, he played Star Trek Bridge Commander and Star Trek Voyager Elite Force saying that Bridge Commander had a very enjoyable campaign and even had Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner returning to reprise their roles. There have also been mods released that make the game one of the most accurate ship combat experiences out there and the game's multiplayer still works to this day. Elite Force also had a good story and all of the Voyager crew came back to reprise the roles. It's the only first person shooter that I really enjoyed and there are still many active multiplayer servers. Fortunately, my fleet still supports games like these and will continue to keep the community alive. This is interesting because I've actually not really played any other Star Trek games, which it seems like a travesty, but I did play a bit of Star Trek Trexels, which I yeah. like the concept of, hate the time gate. They got that really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been playing Timelines, as we discussed off air before. But other than that, I, no, I've never really gone and played another Star Trek game. And I think part of it to me is before Star Trek Online came out, they all felt like a closed universe. It all just mm-hmm. seemed like I didn't want to play a game that had a beginning and an ending. Because to me, yeah. Star Trek is a journey that never ends. And the, the continuing mission and all of that. So, I don't know. We'll see. We need violin music for the back of that. Yeah. We'll take some audio notes. I actually played uh, Bridge Commander. That was actually a really, really good game. I very much enjoyed that one. Well, the first Star Trek game I played was Legends on the Xbox 360. And I just kind of ended up getting bored with that. I just kind of like got to the point where you're up against like tactical board cubes and couldn't do anything. <laughs> I remember when that came out because uh, uh, it was a game that I wanted and I never did get. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Was that before or after Star Trek Online? Before. Before, yeah. Well before. Winners, you didn't miss much. <laughs> awesome. Do you think they'll bring out another game that is actually in pri- uh, not Prime Universe, JDiverse? Well, they did do one before, which was meant to happen between the first two movies, wasn't it? It was like Kirk and Spock shooting against Korn. There is a, a Star Trek game out already that is JDiverse. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Pass me by. <laughs> As it did with most people. I actually have it for the Xbox. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's it's not that great. It's a first-person shooter game. Mm. Okay. Or no, it's not actually. Sorry, it's a third-person, third-person shooter. Mm. Okay. So a glowing review there from all parties involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, captains, we love hearing from you. So leave us a voicemail by clicking on the Speakpipe widget on our homepage, and that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Our Twitter page at Priority One Pod, and of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 255 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. Do you or your fleet have anything special planned to mark this year's anniversary event in Star Trek Online? And from our on screen segment, Do you think the Entity completely took control of Picard in Lonely Among Us? Or did he actually want to go with the Entity? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or tweet us via at Priority One Pod. 
You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Be sure not to miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and our managing editor, Elle. To the writer of our playroom dramas, Drake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman, and consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuit Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald with assistance from Brendan Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria De Post, and James Calvin. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. George Takei also weighed in, queeting, 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 <laughs> queeting, quote. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> That's a quite. I didn't do my math warm up before we came on the air. <sighs> it features previously unreleased sections. Sections, yes. It features selections. 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 See, I didn't remember. Selections. Selections. Except we're now doing the rest of the podcast in accents. Yes, I think that sounds like a marvellous idea. I vote winners to be Sebastian the Crab from The Little Mermaid. God. I can't do it. I can't. The seaweed is always greener. Greener. We'll dream about going up there. Have you ever um, listened to a comedian called Nina Conti? No. You sounded so like her right there. Okay. I just look it up. Nina Conti and Monk. So, okay. Yeah. Right, here we go. Should we, should we rein it back in? We shall rein it back in a little bit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now I'm just going to have that going through my head the whole time. Selection. Do, 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 do. <laughs> 
And when there's a couple more maracas in the background. So I'm talking about Winter's maracas. Yeah. <laughs> Leave my maracas out of it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> As you put us back together, control, and it all goes downhill. Yeah. Right, eight features. Selections, selections. And of course, if we've left out any pertinent Trek tidbits, you can email us. That you can you email. email. Can I just go take it from tidbits? Because I don't think I'm going to get pertinent Trek tidbits out again properly. <laughs> <laughs> No, the whole thing. <laughs> you gotta do Damn it. <laughs> you can do it from end of course. Okay, okay. Damn it, I'm not going to mess up. And of course, the. Oh, Jesus. You can change the phrasing. I wrote that for myself. I know. So I can say pertinent Trek tidbits. No, I just, I know with the Scottish accent where it's going to go wrong. Yeah. Uh, I know as well. Yeah, you Because <laughs> that D might sound like another T. <laughs> 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 I'm re- reading it to myself in a Scottish accent. You can't say that. <laughs> oh, and I just looked at a comment from Lennon. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Between Mark's Trek tidbits and Winters' Maracas. <coughs> oh, oh dear oh, me. Oh, dear me. Right, here we go. <laughs>